estate podcast that keeps you in the mix of everything real estate. Today is going to be a very intimate conversation. We always have our, our panel, our dream team of real estate experts, but today we're going to be focusing on the law, everything legal, real estate. Clink, clink. Right. And we have Nima Mary who is the managing partner of a Mary Law Firm. I like to call him a rock star deal maker. And we have our CEO of Alexander Anderson Real Estate Group, Eric Anderson. All right? All right, thanks all. So we're gonna hop right in. Let's talk about the law. Let's start Wait, with... wait, wait. No, what? At our last podcast. <gasps> That's right. We had, we had a vote from our our um, audience constituents that was really fun. what Nima was supposed to do with an investment property that he had yep so it was either bought it was either hold or sell so tell everybody what you did it's taken a lot of turns all right well, do do a short recap so, so our audience knows so okay um, Upon leaving, I respected the vote and I terminated the transaction. Right, but what? But you had this property in Sussex, right? Okay, so give you guys a recap. Property in Sussex, bought it for one ten, in contract to sell it for three twenty one. Um, couple inspection contingencies that needed to be resolved, and the buyers couldn't get their uh, commitment letter after a couple months, and it was just dragging on and on. And anyone who watches the show knows that. You can't hold the property forever because for us, time is money. Um, not just the carrying cost, but the usage of that capital in the project should be rolled into other projects, right? So you need money when you need deals. The money's got to be available. Um, so we decided what to do with it. We talked about cap rate, holding it, renting it, um, the phenomenal numbers and returns we were going to get on just renting the property out, taking a mortgage and letting the rent pay the mortgage and using playing with that cash. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the numbers, but uh, Eric had a great recommendation and everyone basically, the numbers made sense to keep and rent it, but Eric said, no, you dump it because it's a one family, it's far away, and there is non-monetary factors that would make the project not worth it, even on a high cap rate, because of time that would have to go into somewhere so far, which is just the one family. So we took a vote. The vote was flip it, cash out, which is what we did. Uh, I terminated the contract at the end of uh, the call, um, which I know does not sound like uh, whether I should keep or uh, you know not not keep it. Or what, what was the vote? Was it no, sell? No, the vote was to hold. Oh, I'm the just vote was to hold. You know. so Sorry, yeah. We let you guys decide what he was going to do. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's going to do what he's going to do. Therefore, he canceled the contract. Yeah, I was wondering, like, why would I cancel it if he, it was to sell? Yeah, he, it wasn't. He it. Held. Yeah, it was the right. Hold. It was the hold. Yes. Yeah, so I so killed. He went against what I recommended. And he did what the audience chose, which was to hold. So he's now holding the property. No. <laughs> no. So no, I killed the committed. deal. But I killed you, the but deal. But you did kill the deal. It was to kill the yeah, deal. Yeah, but right. it's, this is very interesting what happens okay. next. Next 48 hours of that killing the deal. Very interesting. So I kill the deal. And uh, I email my paperwork over to my mortgage broker. And I say, hey, refi this for me. Um, you know, something quick. Let's get it done. Uh, and there's multiple investor loans out there. Uh, the easiest and fastest ones are you no know, tax returns, nothing, just bank statement only. The rate's like 1% higher, but they're quick. You're in, you're out. Um, LLCs, you're good. Uh, and my agent left it on the market or put it back on for, you know, $50,000 more than I listed it before. Just, you know, I saw the listing agreement with her, so we had to keep running it. <coughs> so she raised the price. 
<laughs> that was a joke, everybody. So um, I got an offer for $330,000, $10,000 more uh, within 24 hours. Yay. And that was hard to say no to. Wait, so our audience just made you ten grand. Yes. Hold on, not yet. Okay. Not okay. yet. So I signed the contract for the $330,000, and I killed the deal as I left here with the original buyers. Um, also... <coughs> I would then have time. <laughs> I would then have time to uh, deal with some of the contingencies on the inspection that I was giving substantial credits for. So I was giving a twenty-seven thousand dollars credit for something that I could have resolved for ten, um, numerous other things. So uh, I took the new offer, and we were hunky dory. Um, I was gonna just ignore. I, I get kept getting emails. All of a sudden, everybody on the other side was becoming nice, and all right. Uh, I get from the agent, I get a writer. I'm about to get out of attorney review on this new 330 offer, and I get a letter from the agent. Now, a lot of you agents here are taught that you should send a letter with your offers or if there's an issue, because the buyer may actually read it and care. Oh, the sweetheart letter. Yeah. Yes. I don't care 99.5% of the time. I wasn't even gonna read the email, I was gonna delete it, but I was just bored. And damn it, <laughs> I read it and I felt so bad after reading it. They had a two-year-old and ah, oh, I just- Get to the cheese, what happened? So then I killed the 330 offer. I went back to the 321 offer because I got really sad about that letter. Although I renegotiated that. Hold on, so the letter is from the people that you terminated. You yeah. didn't tell anyone that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the okay, the letter's from people I terminated okay, okay. while I was signing the rider for the new guy at 9,000 more. Okay. So I went back to them. We took out my twenty-seven something thousand dollar credit. Okay. So I'm really. So you went against the audience and you sold it to the people originally for the lower um, amount of money because of your heart. I went back and forth, but, but yeah. You know okay, what? I think you. this is, guys. This is like a revelation. You have a really big heart. No, even investors are suckers. So. I think that's beautiful. I love. It makes me see you with a little halo now. I'm so upset. I should go cancel that. <laughs> Alrighty, well, so now we know that our vote last week didn't mean anything, but anyway. <laughs> oh, it did. It did. It actually made me, in theory, uh, I didn't have to give the credit. If I did, all right, if I didn't kill the deal that day, they would have, they could have gotten me a commitment letter and I could not have killed the deal. Right. So I would have been stuck in that original transaction with the $27,000 credit. Right. So really, in reality, because of that vote and me killing the deal, you, you I was able to negotiate a far better deal for myself okay. from them, which I didn't even need because I got $10,000 more from somebody else. All right. right. Well, congratulations. Bottom line, I made money listening to you voters. That's your good deal for the new year. Yay. Well, I've got three more I just lined up for me. All right. Well, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want to hear about those. So let's talk legal. <laughs> We're going to do legal. So let's, you want to start with horror stories? I'll like, give you, I'll give you a legal horror probably story. Probably call a real lawyer. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm I'll give you a legal horror story. <laughs> so <clears throat> you have to remember that when you're dealing with, so, so as a licensed real estate agent, we're expected to have a higher standard than the public. So we have to be careful what we say, what we imply. Um, so one one day, this is like 15 years ago when I, or 20 years ago when I was first learning the industry, I had a two family house, or I should say I had a house that was in a two family zone um, in Garfield on River Road. So when I took the the opportunity, I put the listing out. The, the house was in his two-family zone. 
The house itself was not a two-family. It was a single. It was used as a single family, but it had two kitchens. It had a, a divided uh, entryway, and it was easily visibly convertible to a two-family. So when I put in in the remarks regarding the property, I put in property could be easily converted to a two-family. Um, the people, the house sold. The people bought it. Uh, during that listing term frame and during the closing, the house, the zoning in the town changed. Ooh. Audible. Okay. So the, the zoning, which I had no idea, and then they were represented by someone else, and they had no idea. So it ended up going, it ended up closing, and then two years later, these people decided to change it and convert it into a two-family, and they sued me for putting in the remarks, house could easily be converted into a two-family. Now, what I meant in those remarks was structurally, based on the way everything looked and based on the floor plan, it could be easily converted. My, my comments were not there to, by at any means, implicate that it was easy in the town. I just knew it was a two-family zone. I knew that the house, you know, based on my construction knowledge, I knew that the house could be converted easily. Um, so they sued me. For how much? I, I don't recall because... We have, um, as brokers, we have, you know, errors and emissions insurance. So my errors and emission policy kicked in. It was like, it took a year to go through BS back and forth. They ended up losing. Um, I still have to pay my $5,000 deductible. Yeah. But um, so point of the matter is you have to be careful with what you say to people. So um, had I put in there um, house... The floor plan of the house could easily be converted into a two-family, but please check with the town to make sure this, that that's an applicable zoning. Then they couldn't have sued, sued me. It's because of the words that I put in and that it was ambiguous um, that they used that to hold their, to hold their hat on. Um, obviously, they didn't win because it was such a, a thin case, but what that did is it led me to learn down the road that everything that I say needs to have a disclaimer. So even if you were... Let's say you're a mold remediation, your father's a mold remediation expert, but you're not. But you know what to look for in mold remediation. If you're in a property and you're, let's say, showing someone something, you have to say, well, based on my knowledge from you know, my dad being a mold remediation specialist, you should do this, this, and this, and this. However, I'm not licensed in that, and if you want a real opinion, go you to need to home. go to a real licensed person. Right. So um, you'll learn that, um, but that just led me to, to be much more cautious and always put a disclaimer on everything. So what, what are your legal comments on that? I may have won the case. How? How? So I would have argued, first off, you're right. And, and there's a, I teach a class on a podcast um, for a uh, school, um, and it's the Center for Real Estate Education New Jersey. And one of the things that we talk about in, the, in that podcast is... Uh, in, in a, uh, it, I don't teach it, I'm just a, like a lecturer, but one of the things we talk about is how agents, what you write, not just what you write, but what you say verbally or how you represent things um, carry significant legal mm. consequences. Um, I would actually agree with the story. I would have just ended it with something like subject to your own due diligence, mm. right? Uh, I would probably end can everything. You put, can you put subject to your own due diligence I, for everything? I would probably, honestly, thinking about your story, I, I'm surprised 
that the MLS listings that you put that in the comment section doesn't have a caveat built in on the bottom that says mm. the above are. Well, it does say everything is. Um, um, there is a caveat on the bottom of everything. But it protects the MLS. That says subject to like your own independent. There, there is a sentence on everything in the yeah. MLS. I, I think the person ultimately who would have been most. Um, you know, uh, yeah, so wording matters, right? Um, I would definitely write subject to your due diligence on any time. Anytime you recommend um, something for future usage, you know, you should always write subject to buyer's due diligence. Okay. Just those words. The above is subject to buyer's own due diligence. Now, do you guys hear that? You should you should be writing notes on that one. This, these are things that you're going to, like, that everyone who is a real estate agent is going to use. So if you're a real estate agent out there, becoming a real estate agent, thinking about becoming a real estate agent, listen yeah. to this guy. Uh, hold on, does that apply if I'm not a licensed real estate agent mm -hmm. and I was advertising on Craigslist and I put could easily be converted to a two-family house, would would I would I be subject to the same as a licensed real estate agent? No. I think you would still you could still get sued because it's America and everybody can get sued. Um, but I think that as a real estate agent, you have more of an obligation. You have a licensed obligation to people because what you say carries more weight and meaning because they're relying on you. Um, so I would say that it carries a lot more significance, especially, especially if it's printed, right? I would say the biggest thing is not even that because a lot of people, you know, review what's sent. I, as the seller, would have been more concerned. So when I flip a property, I make the agent send me the MLS listing so I can read it. And really? Every time. And the reason I do that is if something is written there or not disclosed properly, right, I can get sued as the seller. So the seller could have been sued because really that's not your description. That's the seller's description. So that would really be the seller's problem too. And it would also have been the attorney's problem for the buyer because the attorney should have done the due diligence. I would, I would, I would guess. 99% of lawyers do not read the actual MLS listing. Why? Because it's usually not sent with the package to the lawyer. But the lawyer should be reading it because it says bathrooms, bedrooms. It, it has the disclosure information. And you have to confirm that that information is what's reflected in the contract and what your client is purchasing. So the lawyers, it's the lawyer's job isn't just to do a contract and get out of AR with a template and then call me at closing. Like really what their job is, and that's why there's a lot of malpractice lawsuits in the in the field of real estate. The lawyers really, <clears throat> their job is to protect you as the buyer, right? To make sure that there's no open permits. Tell you to go do an Oprah request to make sure that there's no open permits or work done without a permit. But most people don't do that. So if you're in the mix and you don't... Who, who's supposed to do those things? The buyer or the buyer's agent? <clears throat> so in theory, the buyer. Buyer's agents do it because they, if you're a good agent, you just do that for your buyer, especially if it's an investor or repeat buyer, right? The issue though isn't if you're, if you're the buyer, you know, the questions come or they, they it's, it's important when, um, you know, the buyer themselves needs to know it. So let the buyer's agent, don't rely on your agent. If you're a buyer, be smart, don't rely on other people, right? If, especially if you're in the real estate game, you can't be passive unless you have that much money. You have to be <laughs> active, right? That, have, that applies to everything. You can't rely on your mortgage broker, you can't rely on your banker, you have no, to read all no. the documents because they can put the wrong page in there and you're you're liable for whatever you sign. But that's though. just so hard. But it's, you know what, the lawyer, so the, hard the lawyer. Because you don't know what you're looking for. You don't know what you don't know. We send a welcome email. 
mm-hmm. to every client. And in it, it, it says very clearly, you should do an Oprah request, you should do this, you should do that. Right out the gate, we send that. Now, if the agent doesn't do it, they should have read our welcome email. They know to do it. We right. advise them to do it. Because at the end of the day, the only way to know is you do an Oprah request and you'll see where there are permits that weren't closed. Because guys, you can get a CO and there's still not closed permits in a lot of towns. Some towns don't even require COs. Now, if you if you're <coughs> excuse me, if you're if you're if you're in that in that context, right, from the legal aspect of the transaction, a lot of times too, now riders say when you close, everything kind of forecloses with it. So you can't bring up claims, right? You you as a buyer have to do your due diligence during the period of time you're buying that property. You know, in your case, that buyer should have actually gone and looked. If that was his intention to buy that property for two-family usage, well, you there's an inspection sure provision. Out. There's a due right. diligence period, right? I'd have said, well, why didn't you do your own due diligence on it? You're the buyer. Right? Well, that's why probably you... why he won, right? Also, it's very like it was kind a week. of it was a week, guys. Yeah. yeah, you know. Amanda says, I wish lawyers were required in New Jersey. This is great info. I wish I'd known this when I purchased. Now, I know in northern New Jersey, you always go into attorney review. So it depends on the area. So okay. southern Jersey, they use title insurance companies to close deals. Northern New Jersey, we use lawyers. I personally would never do a closing without a lawyer. I guess mm-hmm. I was just brought up that way. I don't I don't really yeah. know the reasoning. The, so North Jersey, there is no legal requirement to use a lawyer. The only time you have to have a lawyer is if you're in court and you're a corporation. So wait, attorney review is not required? No. Attorney okay. review is, and it's not on everything. It's just on real estate contracts. I, I love the concept of it because it's not in every state. Um, it, you can do the attorney review yourself. And it's what's customary in your area. And, and, and Eric is right. South Jersey does not use lawyers. They use title companies, which is, to me, really dumb, right? Lawyers, real estate lawyers, are not expensive. They're... Like yeah, a thousand, not. thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. So you're yeah. putting your whole large, you know, Deposit. hundreds of thousands of dollars of transaction money at risk to save a thousand dollars. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, and guys, if I were you, don't go to a real estate lawyer who is just a real estate lawyer because, like, in my opinion, those are not the best people to talk to because while they're good, they're overwhelmed. They're really, really busy because they're volume business. And just if you do go to them, make sure you're not dealing with a paralegal the entire time, right? Mm. You want to know that you're talking to your lawyer. Um, that to me, yeah. you know, being foisted onto a paralegal and no offense to paralegals out there, I really rely on mine. They keep this entire profession together, but you need to communicate with your actual lawyer because you, you don't want to be pushing through, um, you know, uh, papers and documents that are former template. You want to know, has this been read? Have my concerns been met? Um, have you reviewed your rider? You know, do you know what the terms in it mean? Do you know what you're waiving? You know, legal's legal's more important now, guys, than ever because it is a seller's market, right? Yeah. When it's a buyer's market, you have control, you have flex, you can call the deal. When it is a seller's market, the sellers are emboldened. Take it as it is, just deal with it, mm-hmm. right? I was about <clears throat> to purchase um, a house and I went into attorney review, right? And I have to say, I am so happy that my lawyer was like, you cannot sign this. He pointed out all of these different things that the um, that the seller had pulled out of the contract that were for my protection as a buyer. And that, you know, if I didn't meet certain appraisals, he wanted to pick my lender, like things that things that our lawyer was like, no, you cannot you cannot do this. For sure. And. I'm not crediting your lawyer, I'm crediting you. 
Why? Because I'll credit me too, but go ahead. I'll tell you why. We have so many deals where we tell our clients, this is bad, don't do it, right? And honestly, sometimes we get fired by the client. Because you they told want them to do the they deal. Want the house. I'll give you a horror story. Okay. We had a client who was referred to us from one of my largest clients. I consider him like a brother, family friend. He puts an offer on a house from an agent that I believe, in my opinion, is not um, is not working to the best interest of his clients, that group. And that's my personal opinion. I'm not trying to disparage anybody. I just don't trust him. Because they want to close we'll them. We'll run a disclaimer yeah, across yeah, the bottom. Yeah. Well, I just, by saying that occurred in a case like I cannot be sued for defamation. Um, in this deal, it was as is all the nonsense you see in today's deal. Guys, don't buy an as is property. What's wrong with you? Why you sign a contract that's as is? You can't get out of it unless you have a mortgage contingency, which now people know most of these cancellations are untrue and they don't let you cancel their mortgage provisions either. I had one and I said, send me over your application, all your paperwork and prove you actually closed, you, you actually applied for the right mortgage. Next thing you know, uh, crickets. <clears throat> or I email the mortgage broker myself and I'm like, did this guy actually get canceled or did you send a cancellation letter? Dude, your mortgage broker's not going to lie for you. He's not going to lose his license. Right. So anyway, hold on. There are deals out there that are worth buying as is, and there are tons of lawyers out there that we call deal killers. So while all of your points are well taken- Eric's right, I have two deals contracts I signed this week as is. It depends on your knowledge and your expertise. And the price. And the price, there's a lot of mitigating factors. If you bought 400 properties, you can certainly know well enough whether you can buy something as is. 100% right, I take it back. If you're a first-time home buyer looking for a home for yourself and you're paying market or above market, in that limited scenario, I would not recommend buying an as-is deal in solely in that limited scenario. If you're a first-time home buyer, it's a residence you want to live in and you know you're paying above market. Okay. Yes, but also know that if you don't sign the deal as-is, you may lose the property. So sure, sure. You have to understand both sides of it. And he you're giving the right advice, but if this is like your this property you've been waiting with, you've been waiting for for 50 years and it comes on the market and this is your one and only chance to grab this house. And would you yeah. still buy it even if you knew it wasn't worth it? What if you know? You, know, you, have, to, you have to look at the big picture and make those decisions. Well, not only that, when you're buying a house, and I know just from the experience that I'm going through now, when you're buying a house, you sort of get attached to things. You get attached to the dream of what's going to happen, which is probably why it's hard to work with buyers. But that's why he's there to protect you from right. that, which right. is great. But just like you get attached to being married and then you can get unattached to even being married. Right? That, happened very, that happened to so me. But. You can quickly get over. <laughs> Eric's looking for some trouble right now. No, but you can quickly get over that house. So like if half you, Eric's building is going to be up for sale in one hour. <laughs> no. if, you, if you can, um, if you can, if he proves to you why you shouldn't buy that house, like even though Noel was saying she's attached to it, She'll find another house to get attached yes. to. And that's it's just what depending told me. on, like, if it's real serious, yes. like, if my wife says I have to have that house under all circumstances, you just make the decision and you just do it. It depends right. on what the mitigating scenario is. No, so, but that's what the lawyer told me. He was like, there are other houses, this isn't working. Which is hard to get, but. Yeah, so to the, to the point of the story, we entered a contract and I sat with him and I had that conversation that Eric just did. I said, look, this is what it means. Do you really want this house? And are you prepared that as an as is transaction, what you're buying is you're okay with it. Whatever repairs is going to be out of your pocket in the future. Are you okay with that scenario? And he said, no. Right. So the, I, you had the conversation. You're right. You explained to him, are you, can you live with it? 
Um, for the most part, we were willing to go okay with as is because he told me he really likes it and wants to get the deal done. So what stood out to me was a completely random carve out. It said the chimney is as is, no inspections permitted. <laughs> well, that's a red flag. That's a ding, 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 right? ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So I said, I said, look, the house is as is. We'll take it as is. But we should be permitted at the very least to inspect the chimney and understand what we're getting into. Right. And I'm even happy to put financial limitations if there's an issue with the chimney that, you know, it has to be major if we want to cancel the contract. But how can you tell me I can't inspect something? That I'm about to buy and live with. And it's right. a chimney. Guys, if a chimney's bad, first off, it's really expensive to fix because chimney guys are. And second... Um, are there still chimney guys? I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> chimney sweeps. Uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mary Poppins. Second, guys, uh, chimneys can, if they're bad and you don't have proper flow, that carbon monoxide comes back in your house. Oh, That's it's deadly. dangerous. Then they have a young baby. So I sat down with them and I said, look, at the very minimum, do the as is. Ask them if you can do the inspection before you even sign the contract. It takes one day. They refused. We were super, super hospitable. I, I put my foot down with my client. They're I still said, alive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Carbon dioxide yeah. came back yeah. in. I just want to make sure. But the, their argument was well, we never use the chimney. It's just, if you, I was like, if you never use it, let us inspect it. So weird. I, and very seldomly do I see a specific carve out that says, it's like, you know, you go somewhere and they're like, hey guys, don't open that door. You can check everything else, but don't open that door. You're going to be like, what's behind that door? Super red flag. So the deal was going to die. Um, I advised my client, what do you want to do? And this is how it turned out. We, my client, after speaking to us, was like, you know, you guys are right. I see your point. And I, I didn't tell them what to do. I said, look, the choice is yours. You can do this, but here's the average cost to repair a chimney. If there's a problem with it, there's a carbon monoxide. Make the right decision, right? Do you love this house? If not, you're paying above market. It's This house has actually been on the market a couple times. So clearly because of the there's a flag, uh -huh. right? And I was like, and second, I was like, there's other properties out there too. You're not in a rush. The, the He's like, you know what? I want to do it. So we responded back and said, okay, look, we'll take it. The other side said, we're not going to accept that unless you fire your lawyer. <gasps> I don't blame him. For just uh, for pushing a chimney. <laughs> so <laughs> he came to us and I said, listen, brother, it's not personal. Didn't even charge him. You know, like I said. Wow. So they were like, we won't let you move forward with this lawyer, even though you were almost out of attorney review. And is, is I don't know if it was the actual agent. I, I think it was more his agent pushing because his agent saw us as an obstacle to him getting to closing. I think it might have been him. Wow. Right. But at the end of the day, and look, he wanted the house, so he he relieved us as, as his attorney. Very friendly manner. We both talked, and we're like, look, I was like, I want you to have the house. I don't care about the deal. I was like, if that's one of their terms, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And look, we're always here for you. Another huge red flag. But yeah, but guys, be smart, right? What you did, you listened to your lawyer, you absorbed it, and made an educated decision. If if someone tells you get rid of the person whose sole job is there to protect you. It's like, imagine you're, you've got yeah. a bodyguard yeah. and you're going into a dangerous situation and they're like, whoa, whoa, you cannot enter this dangerous situation unless you get rid of that really good bodyguard. So, so what I would have done is I would have hired another attorney, kept you on retainer, <clears throat> but kept you as the behind the scenes attorney, had my other attorney be the front man and run everything past you. Is that legal? Yeah, you can have 10 attorneys, but 
for a real estate transaction. I don't, and honestly, we didn't want to be a part of the deal anymore either ourselves. Like mm. it's a simple deal. We don't really make money off these one family houses. And as, as you see, there's a ton of legal liabilities, even for lawyers. You have to give each of these files the attention it deserves. And a lot of people I think don't, in my opinion. Um, but arguably, if, if there's so much to it, and in this market, guys, protect yourselves and 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 don't just sign contracts thinking I really want this house. Like to me, I think that people shouldn't be impulsive. Don't be scared to lose a deal. Well, for us, that was the best thing we ever could have done. Um, the other red flag for us was that the person sent back their their edits or whatever at something like 10 a.m. when we were on our way to the Outer Banks and like we were about to go someplace and said that we had to have a response in an hour. That's unreasonable. And at that point, our lawyer was also like, but we don't, you know, you don't even have time to digest what this person is saying and digest my information. It was the best thing we ever did getting out of that deal. And thank God for attorney review, because if we hadn't had attorney review, then we would have just moved around like, do do do, you know, we're getting a house. Yeah. So, yeah. Guys, yeah. I, I had a, I had a uh, nightmare legal story where we sued on it. Um, have I talked about that one? I don't know. No, against I don't the know. sellers. So this, these, you sued them. Yeah, I, I did not represent the buyer. Um, what happened was there, we, my, my client bought this house in uh, Bergen County, nice area. And the sellers had decided to, the guy I wanted to get into real estate flipping and he considered himself a designer, an artist, and he did all these modifications to the home himself. My client hired a home inspector that was recommended by his attorney uh, and went forward with this transaction, found an attorney. Closes, arguably should be his dream home. There was some issues that came up in inspection, like water accumulating in the back, things like that. Because the guy like fixed it with YouTube, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he let those go. When he moved into his dream house, which is an over a million dollar home, it was a nightmare. Mm. The roof was shot, water was leaking, stucco was put on wrong. Everything that guy did as a, an artistic design mm -hmm. was not structurally sound. There was a like spa room in the basement he put in. Guys, if you're going into a house and there's a body of water and there's no filtration system for the air to circulate, I mean, water, no filtration yeah. will lead to a problem, right? Yeah. Home inspectors are not obligated to go on top of your roof and check, right? These are things that they're not obligated to do. And most good home inspectors have in the bottom of each of the reports disclaimers that prohibit you from suing. So just because you get an inspection report, don't be like, this is gold and I can rely on this. You have to read it. And, you know, figure it out. If you don't know much about construction, go talk to a friend or someone who does and say, yeah. hey, what, what do you think of this? Because, you know, luckily, this home inspector was doing this part time and no disclaimers. And we, we, we basically sued everyone. We sued the homeowner. We got a judgment against them for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Wow. We sued the home inspector. We settled for, you know, um, a, a sum. Um, now, why did you win though? Because shouldn't it have been on the buyer to be like, so the get the inspections and find out if it was all good? Correct. So the line phrase is caveat emptor, right? Buyer beware. Mm -hmm. um, I probably could have sued the lawyer too for not requesting that he has Oprah checks and, mm -hmm. and looking into it. Um, I didn't though. But uh, ultimately, I won because he did do these things and the inspector missed some really big things that he should have caught, right? You know, he took the, the age of the roof based off of um, the, what the seller told him. 
Um, he, you know, he, he misidentified the stucco on the outside and didn't tell him, Hey, you should do a humidity test behind the stucco to see if there has been penetration and water and humidity has, has been building up behind stucco guys in the, like the early two thousands, people use styrofoam stucco because it's cheaper and styrofoam stucco. Uh, if it fails, which it usually in my opinion does, um, humidity gets in between. There's no, there's no, nothing to pull that humidity out. So it's rotting the wood behind it, creating molds and nightmare. So these are all things that he didn't do and he didn't advise them to do. Um, so we sued him and we sued the sellers for so how did you win on the, <coughs> the seller? Seller didn't disclose, didn't work without permits and didn't disclose any of this. Guys, you don't just get away with it once you're a sell. seller's disclosure. Yeah, none of this information was so on. So there was a seller's disclosure. Correct. So the seller actually filled out a piece of paper that said, this is what I did and what I didn't do. So that gave you a basis to sue. If you didn't have a seller's disclosure, would you have won against the seller? Yeah. Still, look, there's common law requires you to disclose latent defects. If there's a defect in your property that you are aware of, you have an obligation to disclose it. Even if it's not in the seller's disclosure, and you're aware of this latent defect, mm -hmm. I believe you have a legal obligation to disclose that to your buyer. What if you don't know? Yeah. Then it's different. You don't know. So you have to, how did you know, how did you prove that the seller knew what he was, that he had these issues? Because they were patched and remediated. So the water filtration issue mm -hmm. clearly was an existing one in from the roof because there were patches repairing water damage. So if you repaired it, then you knew that was a problem. Exactly. Got it. Got and it, you it. knew you built a pond in the house without a permit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so the guy was great with his artistic design, but you know? So everyone who's watching is either interested in real estate or is a real estate agent. I mean, this is everything real estate. Tell me what are the top things you should be looking for for, from a lawyer when you're hiring them? Two, I think the number one thing is to, to, to explain, right? Um, guys, they know from experience, they know from doing things right and wrong, and they went to law school. So you want your lawyer to spend time with you, pick up the phone, ask him, don't be like, oh, I'm afraid to ask questions. Ask things, right? No question is too stupid. Just ask. If you don't know, ask and they'll explain it to you. And if you're not happy with the answer or you're not confident or comfortable with the answer that they've provided, um, switch lawyers. It's never too late. You can always switch attorneys, right? But but ask questions. Find a lawyer who, who's willing to give you the time to explain. Yeah. Find a lawyer who... So patience. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You want the lawyer to be patient. Right? And, and <clears throat> don't rush. Don't let your emotions dictate your decisions. Let your logic and your brain dictate okay, so decisions. Top 10 attorney characteristics, patience. Okay, I'd say patience. Um, this sounds yes. horrible, I would say appearance. Appearance. Right? Yes, why? Um, and again, this is horrible. I'm not saying go hire models, but if, <laughs> if your attorney, you know, um, can't spend the time in the morning to take care of himself and get himself in order, how is he gonna, get you in order and your things in order. So you're just right? being well-kept or well, organized. Correct. Okay. So correct. they don't have to be beautiful or No, handsome. no, no. And don't expect his desk. No, no attorney's desk is clean. If it is and he has no work. Um, just look to see in general as he put together, is he sharp, is he on point, right? Um, he or, or she. Is he, he or she, yes. Pronouns or anything, yeah. Yes, um, they. Yes, they. <laughs> uh, and, and make sure that they're attentive. If you're talking to them and they're in another world, well, that's an issue, right? Make sure they're giving you the attention you require 
And I think that's really important. Patience, well-kept, answer your questions. Um, ability to communicate. You need to have the ability to communicate with them. I would look for an attorney who's willing to give you a cell phone number. Um, my staff, like my paralegals, uh, the ones that deal with clients and my associates all have work cell phones. Okay. I require it because that way, look, some, most of the time when you call the office, you're in queue, right? There's phone calls, phone calls take more time, yeah. but with the work cell phones, you can shoot a quick text and they can respond quickly via text. We use an online case management platform that allows people to send messages through. So we create different avenues of communication because it's not always easy to get in touch with your lawyer because remember, you're not his only client and other people are as well. And in addition to that, he actually has to do legal work as opposed to fielding calls. So somewhere in between, he has to block out the ability to call so he can get his work done. Well, what do you look for in your deals? What are you looking for from a lawyer? I'm, I'm still listening to his 10. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think that's kind of it. I don't know, shoes? Shoes. Shoes. My mom used to say that about men. Go ahead. Yeah. Let me know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> Honestly, that's really it. That's what you're looking for in a lawyer, right? Um, the rest of this stuff really is immaterial. Sure, what school he went to is great, right. but in reality, what does it matter, right? Okay. If they're smart and they're they're good, even if they're only out for a year or two, they could be really they could be better than a lawyer for thirty years. I think people who look for someone who's like, oh, this guy's been a lawyer for twenty years, he's better. Sorry, uh, I don't think that's accurate. I think a, a guy who's been a lawyer for twenty years is tired. Um, I think you're gonna get more work out of someone who's so. So my big thing for a lawyer is making sure that they're willing to understand and talk through your issue. So not just tell you what they want to tell you or tell you what they think you need to hear, but talk through it. Because sometimes I, I would have an idea and I need help formulating what I really want. Mm -hmm. So being able to talk through and have the banter back and forth without being judged yeah. or without being told no. Um, and then once we have that conversation, the ability to agree on a way to move forward. And if we agree on a way to move forward, don't yes me and then do what you want. Do what I want. Because I'm hiring that lawyer to do what I want. So like with the chimney that he mentioned before, if I say buy the house without the chimney, I want to buy the house without the chimney. I don't want you behind the scenes making alternative agendas, which you're probably trying to protect me for, and I get that, but sometimes I don't want to be protected. Sometimes I want to do what I want. And there are lawyers out there that won't do that. There's a lot of lawyers out there who will do that. Are you kidding me? I'd say most lawyers out there. A lot of lawyers will kill deals because you know they get into pissing matches with other lawyers. With other lawyers, And it becomes yes. personal for them, right? So, I mean, there, there have honestly been transactions where, you know, it's just you can see that the aggression and the tension is high. And someone's just got to take the higher ground. Right. And, you know, you got to make sure your lawyer understands that it's not about him. It's about you. And so, hold on. And you want to make sure that that lawyer that you hire is willing to share the emails with you. So if you ask to be copied on certain things, or if there is an issue and you say, hey, could you forward me that email where you've had this conversation with the other attorney, if they're not willing to share stuff like that with you, to me, it means that they're hiding something mm -hmm. and that would be a red flag. So if you don't live in a state that has an attorney review, or if you live in a section of a state that doesn't have an attorney review, what should you do to protect yourself? What should you do as a real estate agent, as a buyer, as a seller? What should you do to protect yourself? Should you be hiring a lawyer? And would that make it so your deal is automatically killed if it's not normal? So great question. Um, just going back to one more point to what Eric said, something else I know Eric looks for in his lawyers is execution, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of other people, people like Eric, larger clients, they're busy. 
they have their own things to do and their own agendas and they don't like to have to check in and follow up with their lawyers on stuff. Like, you know, even I miss stuff and Eric gets pissed off. You have to acknowledge even, it's reality. As a lawyer, you have to be willing to say, hey, you know what? All right, I missed it on this. I'm going to take care of it. We'll get it done. But it's also really important to look for an attorney who ultimately, once you give him that direction, he, he like Eric said, he goes and does it and he follows that direction without his own agenda and comes back to you with a completed task. You know, right. this task is now completed. Thank you. And also, I think Eric didn't mention this, but I realize that it's important to Eric um, over time is you want your attorney to fight, right? Not just kind of lay down and, and give in or go the easiest route. Um, you agree you agree to a strategy. So before this, you agree to disagree. So we could agree to disagree, and then he's going to follow the strategy that I asked for, even though he doesn't think it's in my best interest. That That's what you want to be able to do. But that comes with knowledge, um, because I have worked with attorneys that are like, okay, well, I don't agree with this, so I'm going to send you an email that says, I don't agree with this. If we proceed in this manner, it's at your own risk. To me, that's overkill because you build that relationship. I understand why you would want to do that, but... I would do that. <clears throat> I'd be like, you don't want to listen to my professional opinion, so let me cover well, my But once own. you get to a certain level of business with certain clients, like it's almost like insulting yeah. when, when the attorney mm -hmm. does that. Um, but, you know, again, there's all different levels out there for all different people, so it really depends on, on where you are with it. Yeah, I know. Like yeah. a, a better email in that scenario would be CYA email would be like, hi, you know, as you know, we've discussed numerous options, and this is the option you wish to proceed with, and this is how we can execute it. Got it. Right? That's a much easier way to just say, okay, well, this is what you ultimately decided. Um, but to your point, it depends on the state you live in um, and whatever state you live in, uh, before you do any type, <coughs> any type of a deal, find an attorney um, and you know, say, hey, I'm gonna do this deal. What should I do or how should I handle it? Um, so educate yourself in the traditions of that area. Exactly. And you're, if you are using a broker in that area, that broker should be able to tell you the, the traditions. I would stay away from people who say you don't need one. Also, um, I mean, I know, I know for a fact that no, there's like no lawyer in Florida uh, review at all, and they're big on not doing it. Um, so, I mean, there are exceptions to everything. But, but in Florida, even, you would have a lawyer in the background just making sure you did everything you were supposed to do, correct? You could. So you could pretend, that, smart, you, yeah, you could yeah. pretend that you don't have a lawyer just for the transaction part, but you could still be bringing everything back to your lawyer, having him review it mm -hmm. before you sign something. So there's ways to do it to protect the deal because, again, if you're in a seller's market and you're trying to buy something or you're trying to represent someone to buy something, you want to minimize the obstacles. So... You can have those obstacles minimized by doing them behind the scenes and still get the same result. Exactly. Well, sort of, we're, we're going to start wrapping up here. But, One other question. Yep. So, Ryan wants to know what book would you recommend for real estate agents? What is the best book that you've read for real estate agents? Mm. So, I have one. You go first. Mine is not really for real estate agents, mine is more for real estate in general. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kurosaki. Um, that was actually the first book that I read. And what that did is it taught me really about money and about um, what the difference between an asset and a liability is. Mm. You know, So everybody owns a house. And the question is, is your house an asset or a liability? So Noelle, is your house an asset or a liability? Well, the house that I was going to get would have been a liability, but... 
It's okay. And you already know the answer. So well, what's the wait? No, I don't know the answer. What's well, the answer? So you have a house right okay. now that you own. Okay. You already bought it. Is right. it an asset or a liability? It's an asset. Okay. It's a liability. He's shaking his head. I'm going to go with him. You already answered. So, <laughs> an asset brings you money, um. but liability costs you money. Okay. So yes, that house that you're living in, you bought it for a hundred, and it's now worth six hundred thousand dollars. So you have five hundred thousand dollars of equity. That's costing you money, everyone. It's not $500,000 that's in the stock market that's bringing you dividends. It's a house that's actually costing well, wait you. Wait a minute, but what about people, so people who bought their houses 10 years ago for like 300 grand and now in this market are selling it for a million? Is and it we're like not, an We're not talking about an actual transaction. This is just specifically about understanding is it? what a piece of real estate is. So it's something that you're living in, it's costing you money, you have to pay taxes, you have to take money out of your pocket to pay for it. Um, whereas a lot, whereas a, um, that's really a liability. So an asset would be something that's bringing you money. So if you bought that house and you were renting it and you were getting money every month and your bank account was growing from that money, that would be an asset. So this book taught me that amongst other things. Um, so it really gives you a good foundation and it helps you explain things to, to people. If you're in that real estate world where you're becoming a real estate agent and you, and you need to, um, be able to show clients that you're educated. That's a, a great way to start. Okay. Um, I don't know, honestly. So, uh, look, I, I love to read, but I don't really read how-to books. I personally like to read books about, um, like one of my favorite books is a very short, easy read. It's called The Conquest of Gaul. Um, and it is actually the memoirs of Julius Caesar that they took after his passing, they say, and they, they wrote it out. The last chapter was apparently written by one of his, his generals at the end, but it is his notes on his mentality and his thought process when he was taking over, um, you know, what at the time was, uh, you know, Germany, Britain, and that whole area. Um, you know, where I like to read books by Nicola Machiavelli, people who, I like to read books with people who are telling you their thoughts after their accomplishments, because, just by understanding how they think, right? It's not what they did, it's how they think. Mm -hmm. You can apply that to other things in life. If To me, the best book to read on real estate wouldn't be a book on real estate. It would be go to your community college, pay four or 500 bucks and take an economics class. Because at the end of the day, if you take away the, the genre and you just look at numbers, you have to understand numbers. Yeah. And there's addition, subtraction, and what you end up with. So you could read a book on real estate, but all they're going to explain to you is how math applies to a building. If you understand how math applies, you can apply it to everything. That would, you know, and actually a book I loved that wasn't anything like that, I picked it up at the airport. And I think it was, uh, it's called like uh, The Key to Happiness. Um, really, really interesting book. because see it, that actually. Uh, I, I, I was really chill. I read three chapters of it and then I just didn't have time to find the key to happiness. I went back to being a miserable lawyer buying real estate. So, so that's interesting. Your point where he was talking about, um, getting a perspective from successful people. So every, uh, there's different books for different reasons. So, you know, asking what's a great book for real estate. It's, if you're looking for a book to help you sell real estate, that's one type of book. If you're looking for a book to help you in investing, that's another type of book. You know, one of the things that I've learned over the years is, and I always screw up the word psychiatry or psychology, um, mm -hmm. whatever, but it's all in here. It's in your mind. 
you have to learn how to read people. Mm. And any book that helps you learn how to read people is going to give you an edge on everybody else. Most people don't take the time to do it. And what I've learned is real estate isn't really about real estate. It's about people. It's about people. Mm. It's about understanding what they need. It's about understanding what they want. And it's about understanding what they will do. And then it's about understanding how to make you the caveat to whatever those things are. And once you learn that, that's really the secret to success and that's gonna make you a winner. Well, I think on that note, we're gonna to come to an end. And thank you guys. I love this intimate like conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we will be back next week. Uh, same time, same place. And uh, thank you for joining us on the remix. Can, can we take a quick poll before we wrap up? Sure. I'm just take, wondering. Yeah. So we, we've, we've, we've had a couple opportunities to talk to everybody watching this podcast. Now. Okay. Okay. Um, if we could take a quick poll about anyone who's watching this, if they've done a transaction since they started watching us to now, whether they have thought or implemented any of the things that we've talked about into their decision making. And when you mean transaction, just be... Anything that you've applied this to life in. So it doesn't have to be transaction. It could be any any type of decision or... or have, you guys, like have you guys listened to us at all? Have you applied anything that we've done? Yeah, Anyone? something someone said pop in your mind. We'd love to hear about it. We'd love, uh, we'd love you to give us feedback. Um, so let us know. Let us know. And then the next, uh, the next episode, we'll come on and we'll let you know how people implemented... Uh, some of the stuff that we did and also let us know what you want to hear about feel free let us know what you want to hear about yep podcast is every thursday every thursday so let us know what you want to hear about and we will be happy to talk about it and uh find people who know a lot about it all right and remember if you visualize it you can own it yeah all right thank you guys have a wonderful day Bye.